Hello, welcome to Southwest by Northeast Podcast. My name is Justin, and I'm here with my long-standing frenemy, Steve. How's it going, Steve? Stevie Styles to you, bitch. Oh, he's in a mood, folks. <laughs> he's in some sort of mood. <laughs> I'm in a goddamn mood. I'm in a big kind of mood because I have been listening to Zoo by Denzel Curry, which makes me want to throw 40 at somebody's face. Oh, before we get started, I got two things to clear up. Uh, first off, this video is brought to you by Bacardi's Rum. Uh, I'm a big fan of Bacardi's, and I feel like if I just say that, maybe they'll throw me some cash or some rum. Either way, I'd appreciate that. And uh, also a little tidbit for Steve. My, um, my uh, New York Mets are uh, killing your... Uh, Arizona, whatchamacallit's 4-0 right now, so I'm uh, enjoying that. The D-backs. Oh, is, is that what they're called? The D-backs, or uh, otherwise known as the D-bags. D-bags, I like that. They're much more than D-bags. So what are you uh, drinking tonight, Steve? In my hand, I have an Hakutsuru organic sake. Ah. And I, I've been working on this one. Actually, I've been working on my sake collection for the whole year. And a year ago, for my birthday, someone got me a whole uh, assortment of sakes. And some are really good. I'm not really into the cream ones, but there was one of those cream ones. This one's nice and dry. It's, uh, I don't know what this means, but if you out there listening knows what a sake meter is, it's a plus five. Cool. Cool. I am drinking, because uh, of our sponsor, I am drinking with Cardi. I'm not just drinking any Bacardi. Send us money, Bacardi. A Bacardi from the 1980s, I believe. It's actually the celebratory Bacardi and Coke 100 years of the greatest cocktail ever made. So I'm drinking uh, rum and Cokes with the original rum and Coke. With the Ron. Which, I got to tell you, a lot of people don't know this. A little quick side out about Bacardi. Originally a Cuban company, but they were chased out during Batista. I love Cuban shit. I love those Cuban... I love Cuban women. That's why I married one. Yeah, you did. I love Cuban cigars. I love Cuban rums. I love Cuban empanadas. So what single did you have this week? Well, I did actually a... Uh, I did a couple of singles. Um, some stood others. Uh, I, I tried to stay from um, the big names. I know Miley Cyrus, Miley Cyrus released two... Um, Justin Bieber released one. I, I don't feel like single should be used for that. Uh, so to start off, I did Spicy by her verb Page with Charlie X, CX, and Diplo. It's, uh, it's actually Spice Girls remix that I didn't know. Uh, I love the classical guitar tracks. The video is one hell of a trippy video, and I think, Steve, you'd really love it. It's right up your alley. Got flying space dolphins. And... Um, I love that fucking cover. cover. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, what about you? I'll, I mean, I'll go and do it, what did you do? So I went with exactly the opposite. I took the names that I did know and purposefully reviewed these two singles. And one is Mark Ronson with Camila Cabela.
I gravitated towards Mark Ronson, wanting a Mark, Mark Ronson track. It's called Find You Again, mm-hmm. with the letter U, <laughs> not Y-O-U. And that right there, it gives it away. Find You Again, with the letter U. It's a pop track, and it's more Camila Cabello than it is Mark Ronson. And uh, I I was blown off because I'm a huge fan of his production and his use of horns and his little arrangements, the funk vibe. But it's got a hooky cat, uh, a catchy hook. <laughs> See what I did there? <laughs> I like <laughs> that. I catch. like that. That's very hip. She's a hooky catch. But uh, the other one I did was Cardi B. Press, 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 press. Well, it just says press one time in the title, but you can guess from the Cardi B style. She says it over and over again, and that is exactly what Cardi B is. She's a she's a pseudo rapper that repeats stuff and does it in a very you know Bronxy voice that gives her national appeal for some reason, and I don't know why. And I think. She's got a hell of a persona, and that's definitely what's working for her. So do a lot of, so do 60 million other Americans. But this one, press, it goes hard. There's deep bass. There's that gangster vibe. The she's thugging throughout the whole track, and so it. I I was telling you before, I would put this on while robbing a liquor store and feel really good about it. <laughs> otherwise, otherwise it doesn't do much for me. Nice. I um I also did a new song by NF, uh, a rapper from Michigan, um, called "The Search." Uh, really good. I appreciated it. I like the energy he bought. Uh, the beat's really good. It has like a Jedi mind trick style with sort of like an opera violin feel. Um, it's similar to a mishmash of Eminem and Macklemore. He starts off with the spoken word like Macklemore and then really gets into the Eminem feel. He even has the, you know, kind of sound that Eminem does from time to time. Um, Give me that one more time. And it, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. But Go. now what is great is I actually, I almost compare this to um, uh, Bob Seger's On the Road. Where the hell did that come from? Well, in the song, he kind of talked about mental health and the toll of show business on someone's mental health. The, you know, and, you know, where Bob Seger talks about being on the road, performing and showing, you know, being there again and again and again. He's taking it from a different aspect. He's saying, listen, you know, like, it's not easy to mentally be in one spot one minute and then in another spot a different minute. I really liked the song. I thought it was anger. I It was from beginning to end. It just had me locked in. You thought um, it was a banger, eh? Oh, it was a banger. <laughs> it was the other song. I, uh, one of the other songs he did was Crime Pace by Freddie Gibbs and Mad Libs. Um, uh-huh. I love the vibe. I love the track. Mad Libs did the producing on it. Got some samples of uh, Free Spirit by Walter Barr and uh, Teach Me How by uh, Lee. So it's got that 70s, like, soul feel to it. It's fantastic. Definitely check it out. Um, I also did uh, Guy Stuff by Courtship. Funny, funny track. 
it's kind of just talks about being a guy. And I think there's a line like, if you're a guy, you're interested in knives. And I know me and Steve are both big knives guys. Hashtag all knives matter. <laughs> so it was, um, it's a funny track. It's just something that's, you know, kind of rock. It's actually more rock than anything else. Um, one other song that we'll talk about before we get to the big signal single that we both listened to, um, Thoughts by Sasha Salone. Sorry, Salone. She has a beautiful voice. And the vulnerability that comes from her voice in the song is beautiful. It is, you, you feel it. You feel everything that she, she talks about, being able to cope with herself. And it is a very uh, good track. It's a great single that I appreciated. Um, Steve, if it's okay with you, I want to introduce that single that we both really enjoyed together. And it has something to do with a little season coming up, right? Oh, you know it does. So I don't know if this is actually – we might be kind of violating a, a rule here. I don't know if this came out this week, but um, Lana Del Rey dropped uh, Doing Times, covered by Sublime. You know, and I got thinking, Steve, you called Morrissey the, mope, the Pope of Mope, right? Yeah, he is the Pope of Mope. Well, I got a name for Lana. It's called the Baroness of Chantess. <laughs> what? <laughs> she's a Chantess. She's Put a that on her that. Wikipedia page. What? You're going to have to go into her Wikipedia page and no, put I, that in. No, I, I, you know what? It just came to me. She's uh, For those of you who don't know, she's a New York native, so she can do no wrong in my eyes. And uh, what, what did you think of the cover? I thought she is the ultimate Baroness of Chantess. Is that what it is? <laughs> no, the cover was pretty cool. It was definitely, definitely her style. Um, she made it her own and kept enough of the original vibe. So I thought it was a good balance. I it it didn't blow me away. Like I I probably won't listen to it more than a few times. But the the couple of times that I did listen to it, I it's not time that I would want taken back. Wow. I'm a little surprised. I thought as a cover, I thought it was A++. I thought as a cover, yeah, it did everything a cover should do. It was um, a new and original version of the cover, but it also paid homage to the original version. It's good on it paper. Wasn't, I'm sorry, what? I would say it's good on paper. What does that mean? I don't understand what that even means. <laughs> like the 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 whole uh, the whole idea of it, Lana Del Rey covering Sublime and doing doing time, which is a track based on summertime by George Gershwin, which corresponds with the summer season. Like it all it all makes sense, and it's not bad at all. But I think there was a whole process around it that felt a little contrived like this was something yeah, okay. to make to sell you i mean for me the thing that drives me crazy with covers is when people do a cover and they just basically do the song again like um 311's version of the cures um help me out here buddy what's the song love song yeah i I hated it. I thought it was just a direct copy 
of right. you know, it revitalized it, but it was you know it was the same. It was the same. It was literally the same. And that's I kind of loved, and that's how she uh, she changed it up. I mean, it, it was not sublime, but it had sublime esque feel to it. You could still feel Bradley in the song, and I, I personally, I personally, I think Bradley. Yeah, I would agree. Okay. Do you have any good news? Um, Kenny Rogers is dying. <laughs> no, he, he oh, is not what? dying. He, he might be. We don't know. What's being reported is that he, well, he definitely was hospitalized, and that was something that uh, caused some head turns. But his people are saying that it was just dehydration, nothing more serious. Might be a little more serious than that, though, because you know how these things go. They, they take to the press, and I don't know. I, if I was famous and uh, people were concerned about me, I'd, I'd want them to think I'm going to die soon so I could sell more records. Well, everyone's records spike after they pass exactly. away. Look yeah. at Prince. Yeah. Everyone forgot about Prince for the longest time except when he did the Super Bowl. But so why didn't they cover that up? He died and his records shot. Excuse me? Why did they cover that up? Cover what up? Uh, he, he might really be dying. Why would they cover it up if they did? I mean, look, he's Kenny Rogers. <laughs> I'm Kenny Rogers. <laughs> yeah. I love that bit. He's not Kenny Loggins. <laughs> Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins is dangerous. <laughs> no, there's a bit on, what was it, Mad TV? Hi, I'm Kenny Rogers. And he's like drunk as hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Or I remember specifically. Yeah, Kenny Rogers has not been taken care of. I remember specifically uh, the Seinfeld episode when uh, Kramer opened the Kenny Rogers roasters in his apartment. <laughs> he is a good joke. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kenny. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, he is a good joke. Um, you know, from time to time, I've been told that I resemble Kramer. Kramer? Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, you you're very. Uh, you have a lot of movement to you, and so does Kramer. So does the Cranes. And plus, oh. you're racist, too. Which, uh... <laughs> we're going to see with the last no, episode. No, no, <laughs> Mr. Hip-Hop doesn't have no, relationship anymore. No, you can't say that. No, but there is another thing that came out, was the Gathering of the Juggalos. Oh, the Gathering of the Juggalos expanded their lineup and announced it, which I, I'm, I'm going to say prematurely... I think Denzel Curry would have been a great headliner for the Gathering of the Juggalos because in the kind of way, he is a Juggalo. But these acts are not Juggalesque at all. I, I don't know if that's a word, but they got Bone Thugs and Harmony, Ghetto Boys playing, Guar, Tech 9 KRS-One, South Bronx, baby. Uh, Jedi, Jedi Mind Tricks, which, that's unbelievable. Uh, and Max Adams. Oh my God! <laughs> you know I, uh, you know I actually met Jimmy uh, Paz from Jedi Mind Tricks. Was he as hardcore as he is in his music? Yeah. I met <laughs> Not him. That um, for those uh, listening, I went with a mutual friend of both Steve and I's, and we were at CBGB's about I think it was like three months before it closed. Uh, oh yeah. Maybe four months before it closed. And the deal with CBGBs used to be that you could just walk backstage. And I got to meet Tim Paz, I got to meet Ill Bill, I got to meet uh, Duke, the Enemy of Mankind, 
and the whole crew, and they're really, really nice guys, you know, um, nothing crazy, but the show was absolutely fantastic. That must have been a great setting for it too, because CBGB's was such an intimate place uh, to begin with, even if you're just watching a it, show. It, it really was, and I bet you this is the only top part of this podcast where we'll ever mention Jedi Mind Tricks twice in two separate days. <laughs> and they're going to have comedy from Gilbert Gottfried, who I met in some place in Phoenix, oh. Arizona. I don't even remember where. He is so, so short. So actually, at the gathering of the Juggalos, there'll be two people that we both met. Yeah. Maybe we should go. Personally, that, that's pretty wild. <laughs> I don't think I would ever go to... Listen, I will tell uh, anyone listening, I'm not a big heavy metal guy. I mean, mm-hmm. to a degree, but if you ever do have the chance to see war, you go. I would it, it is an ex- it's an experience unlike any other witnessing war put on a show. <laughs> it's something else. <laughs> I bet, I've always wanted to go, and I had the chance in college. And their tickets were twenty dollars, and that was twenty more dollars than I had. Carry toasters for real. Aim, cock back, shoot at lames. Name unknown. We are not the same. Shame on a trying to run game. We was able to sell it. Now my city. Let's go for it. Let's let's get right into it, motherfucker. Cause I'm angry. I am angry and full. <laughs> I am so angry. I'm gonna make a track that punches you in the goddamn face and have less less than par rhymes i list i wish the entire album yeah there there were some really hardcore tracks i gotta tell you before we get into the meat of the album i i I thought the end of it really picked up oh yeah for sure i mean when he got up to uh when he got up to track not actually track eight um that's when, to me, it started to pick up. Which one was that one? That was Yo. 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 But that was a, a interlude, right? Yeah, but it still had a real feeling to it where I was like, okay, I see where we're going. I see where we're going. Yeah, because after that, you have Carol Mart, Shake88, uh, PAT, which I know you're you're a fan of PAT. I, I had to tell you, I, I was a fan of PAT. PAT for one reason, and then I really got into it more and more, and I just loved it through and through. It did take a couple listens. My first listen, I made the mistake of listening to it when I was in bed before going to sleep, which I don't know what the hell I was thinking, but this made me want to jump out of bed. It made me want to rip my clothes off. It made me want to go into the night and become a goddamn werewolf because it's so raw. It's got that masculine energy that makes you want to rage. And uh, I think I felt like that with PAT. Uh, I definitely felt like that with uh, Birds. And Birds was one of my favorite tracks on the album. That's the one with Rick Ross. Even though I'm oh not a fan God. of Rick Ross. What but, are your thoughts on um, Rick Ross? I, I'm, I'm going to cut you off. I'm sorry. I, I know <laughs> I wasn't going to cut you off. But um, for those listening, there's a reason I called Steve a friend of me. Um, I don't like South Florida rap. I don't. I don't like Uncle Luke. I don't like Two Live Crew. Uh, I don't. I despise Rick Ross. I despise Rick Ross. Like Rick Ross to me is the fakest motherfucker in the world. 
This guy is an overweight prison. Excuse me. What? Huh? Who? It's a dick track. This track right now. Dick calls it dick. Call this a dick. This or whatever track you want. <laughs> it is. I. I. Uh, I mean, dude, this guy is a fraud. He is a. He's an F R A U A D. He is an overweight security guard that right, tries man. to be. Dude, he tries to be hard, and he's not. Dude, he gets seizures from drinking sizzle. Like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, you gotta respect the beard. Like, you're lucky you're not dead. Do you respect the beard? I gotta respect the beard. That's a mean fucking beard. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta respect the beard. Gotta respect the beard. I wish my beard was like. Good. You gotta look I, at I, the I, total lyrical ineptitude and just look at the beard. <laughs> so, so when Steve told me that, you know, he was like, oh, yeah, I was Denzel Curry, and the first thing I listened to, this guy was talking about about Florida stuff, I immediately was like, this guy tripped me. He tripped me. He knows I hate Southern Florida rap, but I was impressed. Um, I... I want to say, I, I want to talk about the lyrics, and I think there were some that I liked, some lines in there. Uh, you got, got the line, put a red beam to your head like Arby's, either go to school, go to jail, or the army. I, that, but that's in PAT. Yeah, that's a good line, but there are so many bad lines, and I mean bad. And uh, one big example is from Wish. And the lines are everybody thinking that they know me for real because they only see me on a poster for real. But that's thinking I liked Wish. And it won't <laughs> because it's so. <laughs> it's dumb. It's dumb. It's dumb. But I. Uh, also in PAT, uh, the line, cut your line like like I'm Hercules, leave you in surgery, beef is a wad of meat, bitch, this ain't Aqua Team. I love, I appreciate the Aqua Team reference. Okay, okay. And he delivers the lines with such raw energy and force that it doesn't even matter how stupid they are, and I feel pumped up, and there's, a, there's an infectious energy that you get out of it. It's going to wake you up. And I appreciate that. I think overall, he's he's more of a performer than he is a writer, by far. Uh, the way he performs, I think it's magic. The way he writes, it's dead energy. Well, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna uh, solidify your statement and give it to you because you're entirely right. And there's two things that I want to talk about with this. There is a quote, that, and before I get into the album, you can take it for what it is. Uh, it's from hotnewhiphop.com, and he says, oh, I freestyled the whole thing, went from mind to mic. The pen in the pad is the middleman, if you already know what you're going to say. So he he tried to pull the Jay-Z. Yeah, and he also said that he uh, started doing things that way because of watching a documentary about, I forget who, I want to say Gucci Mane. But I'm not sure if that was it. What? Gucci Mane does that? Somebody does it. Yeah. Gucci Mane in his autobiography told people about how he doesn't write down his rhymes. He just just comes up with his rhymes and speaks it. And uh, Denzel Curry, he, in an interview, he talked about how that inspired him to not write down rhymes 
and not actually write, just spit. Well, that's why they suck. <laughs> that explains it. <laughs> that explains why these rhymes are horrible. And I was I was expressing to you before, like I I wasn't expecting Nas level compound rhyming. I wasn't expecting uh, wordplay like Big L or Big Pun. Um, but I was expecting a little more. There has to be a standard because if you don't, and listen, this isn't an attack on hip hop. You have to hold the standard to all music. If rock doesn't hold the standard, you get the 1980s. You get Scorpion. You get Motley Crue. You get guys who are god awful. Ah, Motley Crue was pretty badass. Oh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> you listen, you have to hold the standard as to what is acceptable. And listen, there's always going to be those people who are going to exist uh, who don't hold themselves to that standard. There were some really good lines here. I wish he wrote his stuff down. This guy, he, he's not Jay-Z. He's not, not... Dude, even Nas writes his rhymes down. Place a bet on your head. Call your bluff and make a check. Guilty until innocent. Far as I know, I'm heaven sent. Block nine by nine. Blow your mind. Now you Einstein. Design in my prime to do time. Bitch, I'm Frankenstein. This is what you made me. Carol City raised me. Trick said I'm a thug. That's the hate you gave Do you think he wrote down his rhymes on the Flamagra track? You know, and I, I was thinking about that because the Flamagra album... Well, the track that he did was really good. Oh, yeah. Uh, I I think it was phenomenal. And it wasn't just, like, his... Uh, what makes him special is his energy and his raw angst. And this... Uh, the track we're referring to on the Flying Lotus album is Black Balloon's reprise. But I think on top of the energy and the, the grit was actual lyricsmanship. And I might be making up a word again, but, you know, he... He wrote good lyrics for that one. Mm-hmm. And so I I guess that's why I had high expectations. And I had listened to his earlier stuff. I listened to his uh, album that came out before this, where he dresses up like a clown and acts very juggalette. But uh, I think there were, some, there were some shining moments there, too. And I think he's gotten better, for sure. Like, this album is definitely a lot better than the stuff he's done, his own solo stuff that he's done before. And I think he's growing. Uh, I think he's he's got to stay committed to the, the craft and the art. It's always about the craft and the art. And I feel like this kind of delves into what we talked about a little bit last week. By the way, for those uh, keep track at home, I'm actually going to switch what I'm drinking to a – give me one second – a 1980 bottle of Crown Royal. Oh, yeah. That sounds nice. You don't get that very often, Steve. This is uh, only a year before I was born. Would you agree that his Denzel Curry's uh, his appeal is his angst? He does have a lot of angst. I think the angst comes from um, the situation a with his brother, and also the situation with kind of with his father. But uh, for those who don't know. His brother was um, killed in a, I'm going to split hairs here. I I don't see it either way. Um, 
received incident of police brutality, which I could totally see being a, a, a case, but I could also see it not being a case um, where I believe his brother was throwing coconuts at a dog from a roof. And somehow it escalated into a situation where his brother got tased and then went into cardiac arrest and and died. And I, I believe, Steve, you mentioned something about Trayvon Martin. Yeah, Denzel Curry went to high school with Trayvon Martin. So next time you're encountered with police, I, I'm just going to say uh, you should keep this piece of advice in your mind. No cocoa throw. And I, I just want to make it known, like, I'm, I'm not going to tip my hand politically because that would be irreverent of me to do. I am a big uh, punk fan, and I don't appreciate anyone telling me what to do. Hell no. Um, I don't care if it's my boss or police officer, or I, I have a very anti-authoritarian view. But, hey, listen, that's just me. So, on this album... We got the the lack in lyricsmanship versus the the appeal of style and energy. Uh, mm -hmm. With that, how many stars do you give it? Before I give it a rating, I just want to throw out because I mean I I really actually want to really talk about this album. I want to really break it down. I thought this album was deeper than it comes off to on the shelf. I was upset about the two, well I was upset about the two singles he picked. He picked Ricky and Speedboat. That's a good point. Uh, Phyllis, obviously, I don't think anyone would know listening to this. Um, I, I know Steve knows. I'm an accountant by trade, so I'm all about numbers. And I'm going to throw some numbers at you. Ready, Steve? Ready. Okay. On Ricky, a song about his father, which is a premise about, like, advice, right? Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Uh, treat every man like your brother. No. <laughs> don't treat any man like your brother. The song's... Two minutes and 27 seconds. Right. He only raps on 46 seconds of it. That's 70% of the song is just chorus and fills. 70%? 70%, and I, I timed it. I broke out a stopwatch. 70% of the song is chorus and fills. That's pretty crazy. Right? Oh, it gets better. It gets better. Speedboat, which I love the line... Put the mask on like a luchador. <laughs> I thought it was kind of, it, it, to me, it was just, it, it was very left of that whole Miami scene. That's more of a San Antonio thing. Uh, and I really like that. And I, I think in that song, he's talking about XXX Tentacon. Tentacion. Oh, Tentacion. I, I didn't know it was Spanish. I'm sorry. I don't speak Spanish. But I don't think XXX was Spanish. So that's weird. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> um, he talks about, my brother died at 21, so I have to make it to 24. Oh, yeah. My brother died at 21, so I, I got to make it to 24. Exactly. And, and he, he lived with XXX for a while. So I, I think there were, uh, you know, brothers in that aspect. Right. That song has 72% chorus fills. More so than the other one? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he picked two songs to be his singles that are mathematically just chorus and fills. There's nothing to the song. I understand that rap is based off of 12-bar blues. Do you think that was intentional? I just don't think he has the lyrics. 
Yeah, so I guess it was unconscious away or subconscious, right? Because I don't think he did that intentionally, but because the lyrics aren't there, he didn't bring it there. No, and he just says, you know, the record company tells him for the single, we need like two, like like thirty seconds more. So he just repeats the chorus. I will say I was impressed with the producers, uh, Fanatic and Zach FNZ. I really like the B tracks. I like them. The beats were really good. Um, they're gonna pick up exactly like I said after Yo, Caramart, Anger, Shake eighty eight, Banger, Blackland six point six six point six. Banger and PAT was the biggest banger of of all. I love the synth banger. on that track. Uh, biggest banger. You remember listening to the first one, Zoo? Zoo is the title yeah. track. Yeah, it's an intro. Uh, you know what I liked about that one was I don't know what the sound was in the beat, but it sounded like glass harmonica, which is like it's the spinning glasses that are wet and you put your fingers on and it makes like the really eerie sounds. I think Benjamin Franklin invented it or some shit, but uh. It, it had that sound to it. Like, it was such a unique sound in the melody. Well, it wasn't really a melody, but in the background that was really beautiful. And it was beautiful at the same time as it was fuck shit up type of vibe. Almost sort of Radiohead-esque. Yeah, right? it was experimental. Yeah, I I like that. I actually, I like the song Wish, track number three with uh, Kiddo Marv. Everybody thinking that they, they know me for real. Cause they only see me on a poster for real. <laughs> I guess so. I um, it was very eighties. They broke out the saxophone. It was, you know, besides my living through multiple ages, I'm also a child of the eighties. Mm-hmm. And for me to hear like that, that saxophone groove or that eighties kind of backbeat, it just brought to me. It was like, it it, it was like the Crown Royal that I'm drinking right now. Just very. 80s it had that miami i felt like i was playing vice city i gotta bring up another line to you and i almost forgot about this one but this one's off the track automatic and the line it it goes step inside the club you in the line like i know the man way back in the day you would say that i don't know the man Don't test me, dog. They got hipsters for real. <laughs> Fuck a pop tart. We carry toasters for real. I thought overall the album was it was okay. I um I, I enjoyed <laughs> listening to it. It wasn't a chore. It wasn't um what I liked more than Fumagra, it was definitely better than that <laughs> God awful Morrissey album we did the other week. It, it wasn't a chore. It was a, it was a delight to listen to. I was listening to work. It helped me pass the time. You know, no, didn't have to think about it. It woke me up. I'll give it that. Absolutely. Seacrest out.
Pirate. 